smile, Phil. Awesome. I never take enough pictures. All right, this is the garden party, guys. Uh, let me get the guitar. Them old uh, picking strings over here. We'll get this thing started. Because me and Phil got a fun, educational, fantastic show for y'all tonight. Only always. Fantastic is. You need to trademark Figtastic, by the way. This is the garden party. And we want a garden party with you. We talk about the plants you grow and some things you might not know. The garden party. Phil, go ahead and introduce yourself, brother. What up, everybody? It's Phil from Phil's Figs. All things figs, your favorite plant parent as well as parent. Back on the show again. Big heavy this time. Yes. Uh, I hope y'all enjoyed my host, my co-host, Mr. Phil DeAngelis. How, how do you say your last name? DeAngelis. DeAngelis. Of the Angels. Of the Angels. Philip of the Angels, the Italian <laughs> stallion. He actually told me, uh, off, he told me offline that he is second cousins with a guy who's inside the Philly Fanatic costume. No. Can I say that? <laughs> No. <laughs> Before I went uh, bald, I had green hair. It was crazy. No. You had green hair? No, dude. I have short I have, hair. <laughs> I have. I, I've always been a big fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Although I hate Philadelphia. I, I grew up a Cowboys fan, so anything Philadelphia oh, oh, oh. just makes me uh, makes me want to, you know, g gag. You know, but. Uh, I have worn a green man costume at one point in my life. I definitely had a green man costume at one time. Maybe you watched Always Sunny. You've had to. Yes. There, there are pictures of me wearing a green man costume somewhere. That's out epic, there. dude. Oh, my goodness. Back in my younger days, you know. We're, we're old men you know now, what? you know. We're, we're getting up there. Although someone's like, there's no way you're 37. And I was like, oh, thank you. But you're I 37? Am. I thought you were younger than me. No way, man. I got a young face. It's all that salt air, all that ocean air keeping me looking youthful. So I'm 34. I'll be 35 in exactly a month. Um, and if I shave my beard off, dude, I look every bit of 14 years old. So like, <laughs> there's a reason I wear this beard. There's a reason I wear this beard. Um, so you don't get yeah, checked man. constantly with your ID. 100%. 100%. Um Dude, um, well, y'all met Phil already. My name's Destin Noah, mm -hmm. Texas Garden Guy. I'm sure y'all have uh, you know who I am because you're watching on my Facebook page. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been a fun week, man. Uh, uh, did a lot of fig up potting this week. Um, Dude, you saw I saw my... all that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Those trays. Um, I was very impressed with your roots. I need to hook you up. So what's funny is. The guests we're supposed to have on this episode are the people who sell those trays. Oh, Jen. Uh, yes, Jen. Did you get? Did, you, did they get a hold of you? She. Yeah, Jen hit me up. Okay. So I'm I'm excited. I'm getting tr three trays on the way, man. Because nice. I was like, those are perfect depth. I'm curious how they'll do. Like um, right now, I've been using Stew and Sons, and they do the trick, but they're still compartmentalized. And I loved how hardy and like sturdy these trays are, man. Yes, so I, I have some of those Stew and Sons, the uh, tree cones. I have those. Mm -hmm. um, they're pretty good, but they're not um, super sturdy. Like, you know, like they, yes. they probably work a couple times, um, especially the tree cones. They're probably a little more fragile than what you're using. Just the taller, mm -hmm. like four inch or three inch or whatever they are. Uh, but I do a mix. A mix. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I think the ones that I uh, pot into... I've got a bunch of them from last year, and I probably won't do them that size. I'm doing four and a half tall, uh, point four and a half inch, but they're tall, and so mm -hmm. I could have just propagated straight into those. Um, but I, you go through so much soil doing it like that, you know, you go through yeah. a lot of soil doing it. Um, but uh, for people who are just getting into propagating, um, you know, the same methods that you use for like figs can be pretty much universally used for most not hardwood plants but like softwoods and a lot of fruit trees right, right. i think we have, we both have a similar process it seems like relatively inert so when i say inert like 
not too much organic material that can lead to disease. Cause you just like the whole goal is like keep them happy and keep them from getting infected and rotting. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, so the trays, did she send you the 28 cell deep, the, tw the deep 28 yeah. cell? So the reason I like them so much is they're about six inches, six or eight inches tall. And they're made Perfect. out of hundred percent recycled materials and they're super yeah. tough. They're super tough. You can uh, walk on top of them or you can, well, I've walked on top of them. So I know you can walk on top of them. Uh, but I also, when I, when I go to clean them, I throw them in the dishwasher. Oh, brilliant. And they are super heavy duty. That's what I need. Like, I don't know about you, but I have a heavy hand. I have heavy feet. Like, I have a tendency just to dent, break, chip, rip things without being intentional about it. And yeah. so, like, even in the greenhouse, when I'm flying through, like, numbers, you know, of, like, cuttings and cuttings and cuttings, that, like, I need something that can handle that beating, if you will. And, right. Uh, and I think that's good for, like, any gardener who's getting started. Like, you, you're just going to go through stuff. and. Um, I'm excited. I'm really excited, man. And so, um, and she's super cool. It was really great interaction acting with her. Yeah. I wanted to get her and her husband on at the same time. And, uh, I guess they had a volleyball game, but, uh, uh, we'll, we'll try to get them back on at some point. I, I told him, I was, I was like, Hey, y'all ready for Thursday? And he goes, Oh, do y'all do it live? And I was like, yeah, we do it live. And he goes, well, I got a volleyball game. I'm like, well, what? that's kind of the so point. Tune in we then. Do it. Yeah, it was like, well, we'll tune in and we'll, we're, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, drop, drop, throw you under the bus, you know, but we'll get you back on and we'll, we'll get them on for sure. They're super yeah, like literally, there. and literally like I look forward to this every week, guys, and I look forward yeah. to what I learn, what I gather. I look forward to just chatting about plants for more than five minutes. If you're one of those people that loves chatting more than five minutes, you tend to lose people. Don't you worry. You join us, man. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, someone was asking me the other day, uh, or I saw a post on Instagram and it was asking, it showed like an old school picture, like back in the day. And people used to be a lot, like belong to like things called garden clubs, you know, yeah. garden clubs. And you're, you're part of one actually, right? You're nursery. I'm part of one. Yeah. And I think it, I'm, I'm trying to reignite that torch because I'm one of the younger people there at 37 by like yeah. 20 years. There's probably five of us that are under the age of 40. And it is a wealth of knowledge and it is a great community of stuff that I would never think to learn about. As the fig specialist, I've enlightened so many people in this club and organization, but we do all kinds of fun things like greenhouse tours. So every March here in Wilmington, we do the hobby greenhouse club tour and we go in their home tours and professional tours. So we'll go look at Sheldon herb farms out in Leland, North Carolina, but we'll also go look at six or seven home gardens for inspiration and, um, guidance it's like a pub crawl and it's great to like yeah it's like a pub crawl but for plants <laughs> yeah. and greenhouses and you get to see everyone's like set up like uh, my friend jenny specializes in plumerias and Ooh. she her setup is beautiful right so local groups really can stimulate your brain and get you activated right no for sure and well and i hope they like people who don't have a group or a club or whatever can come hang out with us every week. You know, they can come hang out with us and I hope so. And ask questions and talk with us. Uh, somebody just gave us mm -hmm. something. I, don't, I think I heard a ding dong. Um, so uh, we got in the comments, Madhavi, love watching all your gardening videos. Thank you. Uh, Elizabeth. Good evening, everyone. Hey, how's it going, Elizabeth? I'm Melissa Wagner. What's going on? Mrs. Nerd Roddick. How you doing? Um, dude. So speaking of like, you were saying garden tours, greenhouse tours. So I had, it has been, I don't know what 2024 is going to be like, but if it's mm -hmm. anything like this past Saturday, it's going to be a good year. So oh, do tell. Dude, so, so, uh, we had, I, I do these things called meetups and I did a bunch of them like the last two years. And it's where like, we set a time and I, you know, kind of schedule a time to go, like, go to a local nursery. And we spend like all day, like pretty much going through the nursery, doing like walking tours. And we stop and talk about certain plants. We do raffles and we do giveaways. And I think last year I did like 15 and you get super burnout, man. You do super mm. burnout doing a bunch of events. And then if you do a bunch of them too frequently, people are less likely to show up to like every single one, you know, like they'll be like, oh, I'll right. catch you on this one. 
So my idea for this year was we'll still do some meetups maybe once a month or so, but in between we'll space it out and we'll do some classes where yes. I'm there for like just one or two hours. And so this uh, nursery that's pretty local, uh, pretty popular here in the Houston area, it's called Enchanted Gardens. And I've done mm -hmm. things there before and it's always been a really great time uh the owner and everybody the ones that runs the place um and so we promoted it like for probably three or four months and this was like my first yeah. big event of the year the, it's thursday it's thursday evening and it's like oh it's gonna be wet it's gonna be wet 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 and i'm like of course every year my first event is always either it's usually like the cold, the last cold day, or it's super wet. And so I was nervous, and they called me and said, hey, um, there's 1,700 people that have said that they're interested in coming to the event, like on Facebook. And there's yeah. over 200, there's over like uh, 200 people that said that they were like, RSVP, they're coming. 200? Yeah. And so and like 1700. Oh my gosh. That's a casual dude, high school population right there. I was like, what? But, but you know, you know how the, you know how it goes with right. these things that like, you know, if a hundred people RSVP, you know, you maybe get 50 people show up, but if it's raining, 20 people are showing up. Mm -hmm. Well, they put up three tents and brought in like a bunch of chairs and it wasn't enough. We had over 200 people show up to the event to sit around and talk gardening for like two hours. And it was like, it was such a great time, dude. The, the staff yeah. there was awesome. It was, it was so great. And it was just so, uh, you know, because I've, I've been doing the gardening con I've been gardening forever, but like I just mm -hmm. started the gardening content a couple of, like, you know, three or four years ago. And, yeah. uh, it's, it's really awesome to see them. People show up and support you and something like that because they don't have to. You know, it's so easy nowadays to say, no, I'm just going to stay at home. I do it all the time. I do it all the time, <laughs> you know, uh, but it's, it's so easy to sit there and just be like, no, I'm going to stay home. Uh, but I, I just, I just wanted to bring it up because I, I was so, it, it was so awesome to see that many people there show up to support me and to, you know, spend time with the nursery and support small businesses, local businesses. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm just so excited and I want to thank everybody for showing up. It meant so much to me. And I had a great time. So, Congratulations! More to come. All around. More to come. And we're yeah, we're gonna get, we're gonna get we're gonna get Phil to come down to an event this year. I, I, if I have to pay out of pocket. By the way, we do this podcast. <laughs> we do this podcast every week. We don't make any money on this podcast. No. I want I want people to understand that we we spend like we an hour or so. <laughs> yes, yes, we but, get paid in but... knowledge. <laughs> yeah, we get paid in knowledge. It's called academia. <laughs> yes, but I'm yes. overdue for a Texas visit because my my uncles live there and my um my cousins there too. So and well, they're, they're in the Houston area. We definitely need to. It's probably a little late to get you here for a spring event, but maybe we can get you yeah. here, um, you know, midsummer or fall. Maybe we we do quite a bit of fall things too. So maybe we can get you out here for the fall. It'd be nice. Oh, for like for fig for harvesting. I mean, fig harvesting. Yeah, I mean, and we got we fig could, fest in California. We, we we could do like a little mini fig fest. We could do like a. We, we, I don't. I, uh, a fig hunters probably got that trademarked already. We could do like a a fig fest. I don't know. We could figure. We can oh, figure something I, out. We can. Hey, we need comment section. We need um, adjectives Ideas. with the letter F beginning with F for figs. Yes, yeah, something. <laughs> I'll I'll, ch I'll chat GPT it. You know, I'll do something like that. Fabulous yes. big forest forage. Yeah, you know, I'll do something like that. Yeah. So um, uh, somebody's saying, come to San Antonio. I would oh. love. I would love to come to San Antonio. I have reached out to other places like in Dallas and Austin and San Antonio. It's hard to organize an event when I'm not there. You know, I, I like a certain level of like professionalism and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, certain, a certain standard. And so if I'm not there, I'm, I'm very OCD. So when I'm not there to like manage how things are going to be done and everything, it's kind of out of my, so that's why I mostly do stuff local, but I will be making some, some trips to do some things. So 
especially in California Phil's, with Mr. Phil. Phil's fig fun fact. I sat next to David Robinson on an airplane once. I was 10, David, he was seven feet tall <laughs> for, the, for the San Antonio, San Antonio oh. Spurs Center. Oh, nice. See, yeah, yeah. The only, I think the only San Antonio Spur I know is like the Ginobili guy. The, the, there's a Manu Ginobili. Is that the oh, same? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't fell know. out of I'm contact. Not... After NBA Jam for Super Nintendo, I, f- I fell off the basketball <laughs> map. After I stopped growing uh, at like five nine, I just I was like, uh, basketball is not for me, you know. <laughs> uh, but going back to the figs, so I, I get a lot of questions about you know, well, propagations in general. Um, yeah. When to up pod things like like if you're got your stuff in the container or like a, or a propagation tray like you're going to get from all about the garden um when do you yeah. know it's time to go ahead and up pot or remove it's it from tricky, the original tray yeah when like, people, like, what, what, when what, you start out when well i want to for people who first start out because I'm, I'm doing volume um is look at the you do clear solo cups and then you can protect the roots from sun exposure by putting just like a regular solo cup on the outside. And you can start with that for 10, 15 cuttings. And then you can check as you go along. I look for, um, and then when you're doing that, like some sort of like root boundness. So when they start to really get a structure going. So when you transplant them, you don't yank them out and the roots fall off their sides. Right. Um, so I do, I, I do like constant tugs on the base of my cuttings and I kind of look for roots in the bottom sometimes, but I'm on like a hard, like two month rule some, with some of my figs. 60 days. Where, yeah. Because that's kind of been, and this is like trial and error going back to also like, I've killed tons of fig cuttings. Like there's a pile. I don't know if you saw my last YouTube video. You saw like my cutting graveyard and, um, but like two months seems to be the Goldilocks zone for when they're really strong enough and they have like substantial plant growth, but um, they can be certain varieties or more fickle than others. So yeah. some of the trustier varieties, that's why we say start with like your Mount Etna types. So like your hardy Chicago or a Celeste Brown Turkey when you're first messing around is they're a little more resilient to um, root disruption. And then I found that with the LSU varieties, they're a little more resilient as well. Where if you if you get like sometimes these black Madeiras or uh, the Coldadoms or like Coldadom Mutante, like if you disrupt, they can be divas, is, is what I usually call them. And if you mess with them too much, they'll say, I'm out, they'll limp they're and they'll sensitive. die. And you're like, yeah. And um, you really want that root ball to be established. Now, a lot of times if I'm doing coconut coir, and perlite as just my my soil mixture, they're nutrient poor, right? So at some point you need to up pot them yeah. to get them growing and sustained energy on their own, so they're not burning out their reserves as cuttings. Right. So, but I found that that sixty day marker has been really good for me. Yeah, and I, I had a couple, and I, I've I've seen this before. Um, that. Well, I'll start out by saying my go to like when I know it's time to up pot especially on those trays is when I start seeing roots coming out the bottom. Yeah. Like at the it, bottom. And, t- and typically 60 days is about that, that marker 60 mm-hmm. days for most, for most cuttings in general. Um, that's going to be like your hibiscuses, your angel trumpets, usually around 60 to 90 days. So anywhere between two to three months, that's when you start seeing roots. And so that's when I'll go ahead and up pot and I'm a gradual up pot. You know, if, if I've got a quart, size container that I've got my original cutting in, I'm not going to go from one, from one quart to like a five gallon, you know, that, I think Mm-mm. that's where a lot of people get confused. And like you, you they go to the Walmarts, they go to the Home Depots and they buy something in a one gallon container and they go home and put it like in a giant container. You know, it's usually not the, not the most advantageous way to, to treat your container can, plant. Right. I, you can relate. Like you get excited. Like it's this brand new plant. You want to turn it to this, awesome tree but it's not there yet it likes to grow gradually they do have root proprioception where they're understanding like and it's all it's even out here in my fig nursery like it's everything's gradual so i have my little rooting pots they go into like the three gore i think they're technically three quarter gallon but one gallon pots and then i scale from there i've got to say this so uh a lady named mary newton from massachusetts 
is watching, and she just gave us 99 stars. Thank you very much, Mary. Mary, thank you so Mary, much. We're, we're talking about figs, and we got a lady named Mary Newton from. She might be the heir to the Fig Newton, like the company. She might be. She might be heir to them. You never know. Oh, hey. If if you run. If you run the Fig Newton factory, well, I guess it's just, it's just the Newton factory now. Or maybe we, we want we want a tour. We want a tour. Mary, and you're probably from Newton, Massachusetts. How are you? I hey Mary, <laughs> I used to live in I used to live in Cambridge, and I had fig trees there. And um, oh, nice. And I used to follow. There was this guy called Joe Morley. He came over. I forget. He lived in Roslindale, Massachusetts, and he got I got my first two fig trees from him. And he has created some staples in the fig community, such as uh, Black Triana, White Triana, and um, a few other fig varieties, Gioco de Oro. So that's like a drop of gold in Italian. So you can grow figs up there. Absolutely. I think people misunderstand, like, they think that figs are, like, tropical. And I guess they are semi-tropical, but they, 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 can, they can handle quite a bit of cold as long as they have that root yeah. system set up. A lot of people you know, like rely ground. on that root system. Yeah. So like a lot of people, especially those Mount Etna varieties, just chop them down to the ground and they'll come up as new growth every year and they'll get their main crop fruit and they just grow them as a bush like that every year. Or you can wrap them and protect them. The big piece that usually gets fig trees because they can go down to 15, 10, even five degrees without necessarily dieback is the late winter, early spring freezes. When they think it's spring, they wake up yep. and then a snap happens, their sap's flowing and they can't handle it because they, they have retracted all that sap, they're dormant, but it's those late, late time winters and early springs that get them. And otherwise they can handle cold temps. Yep. Are you, whenever you, you're taking cuttings, are you getting all your cuttings before the first freeze? I wait for a few freezes. It doesn't necessarily mean that sap flow stopped. It can slow. Okay. It has different rates. If I waited for it to stop, like, I don't know. I went out here and trimmed a few fig trees in middle of January and the sap was still flowing. So it's all, it's, that's a relative thing. Okay. Um, and I'm also, as a fig person, I've rooted everything all times a year. <laughs> well, but there I, are times I, better than others. Yeah, because that's what I was wondering. Because um, I, I took some cuttings after the freeze, after they defoliated. And mm -hmm. it got pretty, it got pretty cold. And so I'm, I'm noticing those cuttings aren't taking off as fast as when the yeah, sap I think was really flowing. They're a little more dormant than others. In fact, I'll even put mine in the fridge for a day or two if they have a lot of sap flow, just to like chill them out. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And I mean, the key is all the measures that you would take to preserve your cuttings. So like wrapping them in saran wrap and putting them in a plastic bag and retaining that moisture. But um so anytime yeah. you take a so anytime you take a cutting, it goes in the fridge first. As of right now, yes, um, because whether I'm taking it for an order or um, I don't necessarily want to plant right away, I, I have limited free time as a parent. Uh, yeah, but I've found that it makes them a little more resilient, especially if I have less than ideal climates for rooting them. That's crazy because I do a lot of like uh, crop right and crop. I do crop and, and I think crop that, and churn them. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I, I think I'm getting quicker growth, but they may not oh, be like as resilient thing. as like you're saying. Um, but I think that might be something that I just need to commit to, like take them off the tree, put them in. And um, and I know like Dave Burke has talked about that. He He's like right away, but he's like in like the most perfect fig climate of all time. Yeah. It's basically uh, in Italy. Yeah, he's like he's basically at Mount Edna. He's like in a valley where he's got elevation. It's not that cold, but it's you know it's, it's yeah. He's he's basically in a microclimate of his own. I would say the fig hunter fig cuttings have been quite resilient for me too. All those new varieties, and I think he gets. I I wonder this. I always think about this with new fig varieties like that. If the genetic diversity makes mm -hmm. them stronger rather than these purebreds that have been passed down year over year, I wonder if with these new ones that come up every once in a while, like, Hey, they're, they're so genetically diversified that they can just take off a little bit easier than others. I think of like purebred dogs and things, but I, I was about to make, I, I was about to make that analogy because my mom, <laughs> my mom just had to put uh, like our dog down this past week. And oh. she was like, and she was this little mutt. She was a half, 
think she was a half pug, half wiener dog, and she was 13 years old. And she had so a dire wolf? Through, oh my god, dude. She was like this little, little, little dachshund wiener dog, like pug mix. And she was a little bitty thing. And she was 13 years old, and it was uh, so sad. My mom, my, my mom took Aww. her to the vet to put her down, and she died in her lap waiting. And it's just so sad. But she, but it's like you say, like usually the mutts are the ones that live forever. Like you go get a purebred dog and they choke on a Skittle, you know, and you get the little mutts and they live forever. You know? And they live like they're, 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 they're quite both, resilient, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so, I, but yeah, I, I'm I, about I one month in with the lion. Yeah. So I'm, I wonder, this is like the stuff, like this is the, the theoretical 300 level fig stuff that we start talking about. But I'm about, I started all my cuttings end of December um, cause I was focusing a lot on my fig cutting sale at holiday time. So I'm about, my first few trays are about coming up on six weeks now and I'm excited. They're looking good. So we'll see if they transplant yeah. well. Are you going to be selling rooted cuttings in the spring? Yes. I aim for April because I don't want to ship during cold spells too much. Um, and our last frost here is April 1st. And then I will be tabling at two events that first weekend in April, um, up here in Wilmington, Hampstead. It's called the Poplar Grove. It's a really cool uh, farm and nature trail. It's actually one of the most, the furthest points of the um, Gullah Gullah range from Gullah Culture in the Southeast. Okay. Um, I saw the TV show but, as a kid. Oh, Gullah Gullah Island. Yeah. yeah. It goes from here all the way down to Northern Florida. But um, they have a huge plant sale every year. So everyone gets together there. And the Hobby Greenhouse Club is also having their plant sale that weekend, which is also Azalea Fest here in Wilmington, which is one of the biggest Azalea festivals in the country. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I, so, uh, one sale that I'm looking forward to, and I went to it last year. And if mm -hmm. y'all are interested in like stuff like Plumerias, like me and Phil book love Plumerias, um, check out the Plumeria Society of America. Ooh. They're an organization, um, and they like are hardcore on Plumerias. And um, I actually went to a sale down here in the Houston area last year, and it was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like it was at, it was at this civic center, like in a park, right? And yeah. uh, I, I had a buddy tell me about it, and he's like, "You should go." And I was like, oh, "Cool." And I actually knew one of the vendors that was going to be uh, going to be selling. She oh, lives cool. in Browns. She, she, her, she and her husband live in Brownsville and they were going to come up here for the sale. And so yeah. when I get there at this park, there must be a line of like 300 people like from the door to the parking lot. And it's this small little event center. It's not huge. And like they open the doors at like eight 30 or nine o'clock. And it was like black Friday, like toys R us. It was crazy. <laughs> Um, they all have these tables and people who are like really into plumerias and stuff collect mm -hmm. that stuff like Pokemon cards. Like yeah. they, they hand out the sheet and it tells you like which table has which varieties from which grower, because if they have people want like a certain grower and they want certain varieties and like, that's what mm. they're there for. But like, it was really cool. You can buy like a cutting for like 10, 20 bucks, depending on the variety. Um, yep. They even had some, they even had some adeniums, you know, and that, that's, I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to get you into those this year, Phil. I'm going to get What's you into denium? desert. Uh, desert, desert rose. rose. That's, what I, that's what it is. Yeah. The Jenny, yeah. our plumeria person here has a huge one. It's beautiful. Um, usually, usually people that are into plumerias will also get into the desert um, roses. They have a very gosh. similar looking flower, but they're completely different plants. Uh, so I, I got to trick you into getting the desert rose this year too. Uh, th th there are, You're getting there, me into different plants, like in more ornamental stuff. Like I have two bromeliads that one's about the flower for me and I'm kind of stoked and yeah. it hangs out on my succulent shelves and, um, and it's making more babies. So I'm like, I have another plant hobby. <laughs> oh dude. So, so I, I had I, I had never been into bromeliads. There is this nursery over here and they like specify, they specialize and growing like world world class bromeliads, and Whoa. I had I had never been into them because like they to me like they didn't even, they don't even flower I didn't even see them flower before, and so mm -hmm. I was there talking to the owner and she was like Are you into bromeliads? And I was like No. I was like They don't flower. They don't produce fruit. I don't want them. And she's like Oh, you never seen them flower before? 
And I was like, they they flower? She's like, yeah, they flower in the wintertime. And I was like, really? Okay. So she takes me into this greenhouse and it's like probably a hundred feet long, by 50 foot wide. And it's just all these rare, like psychedelic looking flowers on these bromeliads. Holy cow. They, you know, so they grow like, there's got to be a term for this. So like a, and a plant scientist, Vikram would probably know this, but for Mm -hmm. a term for plants that grow like conically, like an aloe or a bromeliad, they, they all have very similar flowers. They kind of grow Mm -hmm. a little spike up and they have like the, there's got to be a term for like growing like that, but they basically grow like an aloe or like a, uh, or what was an agave plant. Yeah. Yeah. They grow like that. And I I had no idea, but they were like these blue and purple and like psychedelic, like black light looking colors. And it was incredible. So I had to get some bromeliads that day. I had to get some, I had to get some. (laughs) They look so like artificial. They don't look real. They look like you, like they're made out of like plastic, but they're not. And it makes them look so alien. It's like that scene in ET where they go to like his home planet ship or whatever. And you're like, what is this? But it's pretty cool. I'm very impressed. It's another thing to propagate. It's like cross-training propagation for figs. Same with plumerias. Plumerias were really easy to propagate. I was very impressed with that. Yes. Uh, if, If you can, if you do have the opportunity to try to pollinate your flowers and try to get some seeds. I've actually got okay. plumeria seeds right here that a, a, a follower. I saw sent you planting me. those. That, they looked really cool. They almost they look, look like, like um, maple leaf cone. seeds, maple seeds. Yeah, they kind of look like pine pine seeds, like almost like. Oh. Uh, they they uh, they're like little woody, barky little flakes, and you soak and how them. How do you put them? You soak them. Okay. You see, you soak them in, in lukewarm water, like. Some people say overnight, but I find when you do it for too long, they start to break down. But if you look really close, you can see they, they're kind of like tadpoles. They have like these little wavery little tails in the back. Mm-hmm. And this is the actual seed pod. And so you stick okay. it in the ground about to where like where that end pokes up out of the ground. Okay. And then it grows super fast. They grow really fast. Um, oh, awesome. I started... I started some like in the middle of summer and they're already like a foot or so tall. Um, Oh, but the thing about, so if you, it's like you were talking about propagating plumerias, you can do the same thing with desert roses. You do the same thing with desert roses. You can propagate them from cutting. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you harvest a plumeria or a desert rose seed, yeah, you never know what color it's going to be just because it came from that colored flower. Doesn't mean that the seed is going to be that flower. Oh, I like that. It's going to switch up just like a fig that has been caprified would do. You don't know yeah. what you're going to get at, from the child. Uh, it's not going to be the same as the parent. Um, it's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell Such a, a dad ball. joke. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Forget about it. Uh, hey, um, I... I'm going to need help, and I might have to do this live of pruning my plumeria and the best way to go about it. Is it the same okay. as a fig tree? And, like, where do I cut it from on the branch? And I know, like, multiple multiple shoots will come out from wherever I prune it from. Yeah, same thing with, like, your your adenium. Like, when, when you get your adenium, the same thing. The more you prune it, it splits off everywhere you prune it. Um, okay. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a plumeria that I'm necessarily going to prune. Um Yet, because I'm my, my, yours is huge. Yours is huge. I would definitely Mine's prune huge. yours. I yeah. wouldn't prune. I wouldn't prune any pieces smaller than like eight to ten inches. Like it, it, I would make sure they're at least like eight inches tall. I, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't prune anything like any pieces smaller than that. Uh, prune stuff that's growing in. You know, like how you would kind of like your your fig tree, probably. You know, just okay. Um, but then give how do yourself they heal? Some... Do they heal nicely? Like how does the bark wrap around it? They'll kind of, they'll get a little mushy sometimes. So you want to leave like a couple inches for dieback. Yep. Um, and you definitely would want to do it like in the early spring. Like I would say do it in the spring or late fall. But okay. I would say early spring are probably better. And then uh, some people say, I, I had somebody, uh, I think it was a, a Hawaiian or someone who lives in Hawaii. They were saying, because I let mine uh, scab over. I let the end callus over before I propagate mm-hmm. them. 
They were saying mm-hmm. they don't do that. And that was oh. actually someone who lives in Hawaii, which I would think in Hawaii would have worse humidity issues and have more problems with like that stuff break, breaks it down. Yeah. I wonder. Uh, yeah. I, I thought that was weird. So cut the mushy part. If it's mushy, that's, you got a problem, Melissa. <laughs> it shouldn't be mushy. Um, <laughs> You definitely want to, and, and that's another good point. I'm glad she said that because yeah. you'll see like the, the green growth. You don't want to go cutting the green growth. You want to cut where it's starting to get a little woody. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the green growth um, I found, I, I, when I took a cutting from one of mine, I cut it a little too green and I wish I'd have waited a little bit. And so the end is st- it's still healing over. That's why whenever you ask me, how does it heal? I feel like this one's still healing. Got you it. Know, and but I think I did it the wrong time of year. I think I, I just did it the wrong time of year. So I think I did it like in the middle of summer. And I wish I would have I would have waited. So but I'm I was, wondering. So I was we doing cut, it for a video. <laughs> yeah. We want to do things when they're lignified. At least a lot of trees like that too. Um, it's figs especially too. Um, when when you say lignified, this... are you talking about when the sap is flowing or when it's uh, when I say lignification, bark. I think about the the bark's hardening off, the woods the woods gotcha. hardening off on the tree, and it's not going to look the same as like your four year old wood. It's going to look it's it's going to be your one year old wood that in fig world your bravas are going to form off of in the next year. Um, but yeah. I wonder if that's the same with plumerias where it's just easier on the plant. But I'm yeah. my specialty in figs, and I'm get to learn everything else now. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's 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 so funny because I mean I, I don't know how long you've been actually like selling figs and everything like that, um, but like every year, my tastes and like what I get into change up a little bit. Like I don't I didn't lose like my passion for figs. It's just I'm still doing the figs, but I've added something else that I'm passionate like the desert roses and the pomerias yeah. and you know getting into more like you know oh, sorry uh, native plants. Mm-hmm. And other fruit trees besides citrus, you know. So like, I think it's really that's, cool. Like that's gardening, gardening's like that. Yeah, it's a yeah. gardening's a journey. It's very fourth dimensional, right? And like we are never the same people we were five years ago. Like imagine oh, yeah. who you were five years ago, and you're like, no way, how'd that happen? You would never. It's it moves fast enough for us not to really notice until we look back. And I think gardening's like that too, where the things I focused on in gardening were more basic. Um, gardening varieties and figs played a role but the obsession kind of has grown and it's meandered within that obsession and yep. um, a lot of it now is just scaling and exp- and i'm in that big exploratory phase right so as a newer nursery i'm about two years in everything is like me dialing in everything i've experimented with and whatever i find that's been working i run with that more and then a little piece of experiment is happening off to the side constantly. Um, that, that that's where that's where like when I do these talks and stuff, it gets kind of um, I wouldn't say confusing, but it, it gets hard for me to give people a definite answer on like you know when mm-hmm. someone asks me about fire ants or someone asks me about you know the, the number one is always like how often do you water? And I can tell them how much I water. But right. Just because I water this much doesn't mean you need to water that much or you, you may need to water less. You may need to water more. You know, it, it's so different even from one yard to another. You know, you have to find out what works for you, you know? Right. And it's, yeah, systems. it's very idiosyncratic based yard to yard where <laughs> you would find something that is like you could live on like clay soil in one spot. And like, this happens in my neighborhood. I'm on the mm-hmm. coast. We have sandy soil everywhere, but intermittently there were marshes with a lot of biogenous material that settled out and it gets thick and muddy and the lots of silt is, and clays as well. Explain and so the big word. The, oh, <laughs> biogenous. What the hell is biogenous? Like, um, <laughs> it's just like organic material okay. that turns into sediment, right? Okay. And it was created from something biologically. So it's okay. like car- some sort of carbon rich bodied thing. So like dead leaves that break down and release methane and turn into mud as they break down from bacteria. Right. I got so, you. Okay. Yeah. Um, focusing it's, it's, on it's, that. It's, it's bi- a broad bi- term. That's a broad term. It can mean a lot of things. 
Yes. It can mean all, yes. But it's um, nutrient rich. It, yes, it can be nutrient rich, but like, but when you start getting into those areas, there's also clay deposits and silt deposits where water can't escape that well. But like sandy soil, okay. water can't escape quite well. And so I could have three houses down, they could, their yard could flood. And it'd take forever to get out. And I had the same in my house, I'd have this sandy soil that would be nutrient poor, that things wouldn't be getting enough water and they would dry out. And so even okay. so it, you can have those little idiosyncrasies within just even a neighborhood is what I'm saying. And it's kind of like us as, you know, explorers of our own yard, it helps you get to know your yard. Uh, but there are general rules of thumbs when you do like potted gardening, potted plants and mm -hmm. things too, I guess. And and that's one of the so the, the talk I did last week was all about raised garden beds and why raised garden beds are so cool. Um and you know, I raise I, I do raised garden beds out of necessity because I have mm -hmm. to. I've got, you know, utility lines running through my yard, I got terrible soil. It would be a nightmare to have to amend all this soil, you know, to do it. Yeah. Um I got I got nasty gumbo clay soil. It doesn't drain. Uh, yeah. so it's just I, I find and one of the main components that works for me is being able to, to control my soil quality. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if you're trucking it in, you know exactly what you're planting in, you know, you know exactly how it's rolling, you know, so you don't really have to worry about, like, people always ask me, well, what was the last time you did a soil test? I'm like, I've never done a soil <laughs> test, like ever, you know, I've never done one. I you have exported so, that job to someone and I take that dirt and bring it in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I, exactly. I would love to get a soil test going in my yard. And there are pockets of my yard that I dig up and I'm like, this is pale yellow sand. There's no nutrients here. And like wow. a lot of times if I'm putting fig trees in the ground, I will dig that hole twice as big as the tree itself. And I will amend it in there. Um, have, but fig trees can grow in a variety of soil types too. Fig trees are pretty resilient to crappy soil. Like out of all yeah. of the plants, like I, I've only got one tree that's in the ground in my crappy soil and it's a brown turkey fig in the corner of my yard that doesn't get hardly any sun. And it's doing great. It's doing great. I get a ton of figs every year. You isn't know, that, isn't that, it, it's a little fresh when you're like the tree you don't pay attention to does phenomenal. <laughs> 100%. And you know, it's, it's like your Celeste tree that grows on the side of the house that it's like yeah. your Celeste. You get a million cuttings from it every year, but oh it's just like set it and forget it. If the mockingbirds get to that one, go ahead. It's, they're not the best tasting figs, you know. They are some of the right. biggest ones, but they're not the best quality figs, you know, for me. Yes. You know? uh, my so. Celeste is a workhorse variety. It's dependable. And from the thing, it's like it, 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 it goes all out for three weeks and then it's kind of done where I have some other varieties that have like a longer harvesting time, especially like those Mount Etna's. If people are curious, like those are cute. Some of them are ever bearing is what they call them, but they just yeah. cut their main crop just keeps going. And, um, and that's Celeste, but like feeds the whole neighborhood for a good three weeks. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a determinate variety fig tree. Like it's yes. The, the, the brown Turkey's more, uh, more or less uh, kind of an ever bearing. It, it, it does. It does puts out pretty frequently. Uh, but mm -hmm. like you were saying, the Hardy Chicago, like that Mount Edna version, yeah, yeah, that, that's a that's a workhorse that puts out like the whole time. Um, Melissa said, "What should I do with my in ground fig right now? It's just a stick, but I see new growth peeking out." Um, so, if where's her fig Melissa located? In the, uh, she's in. I know exactly where she's at. She's in San Antonio, Texas. Um, oh, and so it's San Antonio is pretty tropical. Um, mm -hmm. so th they won't get that. They, they might get another, another freeze, but it shouldn't be too bad. Uh, but like Phil was saying earlier, what can happen is like this nice weather we're getting, these yep. trees start thinking it's springtime and they will put on some new buds and, and then, like, no, no, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then that last freeze comes in like the beginning of March and it, you know, knocks that new growth off. Does it mean it's going to kill the tree? No, but it may delay the breba crop coming in. It, it may cancel it may, the breba crop. Cause, yeah. Because you, you need that last year's wood, right? Um, the big thing that I did, here's a, there's two pieces to this. Sorry to jump in. Um, no, please. The, 
I chatted with the millennial gardener on this. We were like, okay, what's causing this early breakout of growth? By, and by the way, we, he won't re- he won't respond to my DMs. By the way, I tried to oh. invite him on. He won't. <laughs> I, need, I need you to shoo me in on that. I will. He's brilliant, and um, he was talking that sun exposure, sunlight. So in San Antonio, if you're getting a lot of sunlight with the warmth, that encourages it too. Um, winter light can with lower in the horizon, it'll respond to that, but higher, if once you start getting those sunnier days, it'll respond to that with the heat as well. And he had success delaying growth by using shade cloth. Now, it sounds like you're already pushing out buds. That means sap flow is happening. I was able to do the leaf bags at Lowe's and I cut the top off and I filled, and I made that like an insulating piece and I filled that mm-hmm. with leaves. Cause I have a big leaf pile out back and that was enough yeah. insulation that when I had a freeze, it protected all the green leaf growth and I smushed it in there. It'll settle, smush, settle, smush. So. Yeah. And I mean, but worst, worst case scenario, another, if another freeze does come, you may just get and you may get your first crop in the spring canceled or it mm-hmm. might be later, or you might just end up getting an early fall crop. I can, I got earlier fall crops, you know, would probably make, since too yeah it sounds like your main crop would just be later in the year yeah well in the second crop the fall crop is always the best one anyway it's better yeah there are select few varieties like the desert king which is a san pedro variety uh that has a really good braver crop and i think um my paradiso it has a good braver crop but general of thumb is that the main crop's always tastier yeah and, and well in a san pedro um, for me, I would only get the spring crop because right. in you the fall, need you, you, you right? You, you need the wasp or the caprifig to get that wasp or that pollination. Um, Elijah says, "Why do my cucumbers always come out bitter?" I do not. So know. That's a great. That's a great question. So, um, what I have found is certain cucumbers, certain cucumber cucumber varieties do better in the early spring and some cucumber varieties do better in the summer. So there, I forget which, I forget which one it is. There's small leaf cucumbers and large leaf cucumbers. I forget which one it is, uh, but you can look into it and you'll see like there's more heat tolerant cucumbers. The heat is what's creating a bitter cucumber. Mm -hmm. So like, that's why I try to, I try to get my cucumbers growing fast. I try to get my cucumbers going like really, really quick. I told myself I wasn't going to try to start them early, and I did it. And so we'll we'll just we'll deal with it. You know, I'll, I'll plant backups if I need to. Um, but yeah, I try I try to get my cucumbers growing really quick uh, because by the time like here in this part of Texas, May June, it's going to almost be too hot for cucumbers already. Uh, what wow. I did what I did find this year is there is a variety called the Armenian striped or the Asian striped cucumber. And um, it grows like, I, I put a picture on my Instagram the other day. It grows like a foot long. And uh, it ter- turns out they're actually not even really a cucumber. They're in the cucumbrate family, uh, but they're technically a musk melon. Uh, but those varieties like the English cucumbers and the Asian variety of cucumbers are going to be less bitter. They're not going to have a ton of flavor. Um, but they're going to be not bitter is what I found. Um, so, so I would you're going to have those, those for like dice them up and eat them with your like tzatziki sauce. And I, we, we even pickled them. The pickles turned out great too. Oh yeah. The pickles turned out really good. And what I found the, the Asian striped or the Armenians, they don't have yeah. the pricklies, the pricklies that the regular cucumbers have. Uh, they oh. are more fun. They're, they're fuzzy. They're, They're kind of fuzzy on us. But the and, but the husk, even though it's like a type of um, melon, the husk is edible. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I've got them in the I got them in the garage. Like I, I they're good. Oh yeah. They're really nice. good. The musk melons. You don't have to peel them. You don't have yeah. to peel them. They're it's a very thin, uh, very mild tasting cucumbers, and they will grow in full sun. I had those growing all year round, and just like loofahs, they grow like loofahs. Like you want a trellis for these in. And I found that picking them like 10 to 12 inches, they start to get a little tough after that. But like 10 okay. to 12 inches, it's a big cucumber. You can make a lot of pickles with just a couple of them. Though. 
This it's is always awesome. a fun time of year for gardening when you're talking about like planting the cucumber seeds anyway. Like the zeal is real. Like I feel like I have the seeds, I have the trays, spring get here already. Like let's do yeah. this. My friend well, like, Marissa, she just hooked me up with some raised beds. I'm like, let's do this. Like more trays, more, more, more. You know? So if anyone's feeling yes. the same way, I'm right there with <laughs> with you. Oh, also yeah. it was 34 degrees last night, so we're figuring it out, right? <laughs> Ooh, man. It, it, it got down to, uh, I think, 30... supposed to get down to, like, 37 next week. So, I mean, it's not super cold. I, I bought my greenhouse heater, and I've yet to use it. I've still been using the heat lamps. I just don't feel it's like messing with it. If, if they're working, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? That's that's kind of my <laughs> thought process. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Someone told um, me once a true engineer makes things doesn't make things work. He makes things barely work. And I don't know if, if, how I understand that, but like <laughs> I can relate hey, maybe. Man, that's, a, that's what duct tape's for, dude. I'm from I'm from Texas. You can fix anything with a roll of duct tape and a and a and a, a channel, fair channel locks. You can fix anything with that. And some bamboo uh, rods. Yeah, bamboo comes in handy, dude. Bamboo really does. I, I need to find a friend who's got bamboo. Because if I could get a hold of some bamboo, like bamboo is awesome. It just doesn't. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about that. Because I had done, I had done some research on clumping bamboo because a lot of people that have bamboo in their yard, you know, it it can get invasive, but if you Mm -hmm. plant the wrong variety. Um, And there, there's quite a bit of, of like like research you can do. Like, I'll send you a link because there's people who like farm bamboo, like here in like the, like Kentucky and stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff. People eat bamboo. People eat bamboo. I've um, seen people eat it. That really tender piece, like down at the bottom when it's first sprouting. And I was like, yeah, you better like the bamboo shoots. It, yeah. Yeah. And they, they eat bamboo. You can sell it. You know, you can harvest it and sell it um, for crafts or for construction material. Um, there's a lot of stuff you can do with bamboo, but this guy does an, an entire video showing you how to manage it. And okay. the, the clumping bamboo is not going to spread like the regular bamboo. The way they, the way they explain, like, I forget what it's called. There's clumping bamboo and there's spreading bamboo or whatever. But basically, if you get like the spreading kind, what it does is it put it, you put it in the ground and then like, it's like a, like a canna lily or like a banana. It'll have that rhizome underneath the ground and it'll spread like a hundred it'll spread like 10 feet apart and then come up again and then Mm -hmm. it'll do the same thing but the clumping bamboo uh which you can actually grow in containers too i've heard um okay we'll just do different more levels every time it doesn't spread like crazy you know so i like the sound of that that. it feels like i have a space in my yard where i was just going to dig down and put kind of like plastic barriers around and enclose it but it's really just like a cost cutting measure when i sh- i use bamboo as um sturdy structure pieces when i ship my fig trees in the spring and it's expensive so it's expensive and it's easy to grow so i was like wait a second there's an inverse relationship here that i gotta correct and so if i i isolated place in my yard let it get a little nutty of growth out there but you have to select the ones like some will get like this big around and grow like 40 feet it's an, yeah. it's unbelievable and then so i want to get like the ones that like i can manage and i want something manageable so i'm excited to watch this video yeah i'll send you the link because he talks about different different varieties there's a black bamboo that's like super uh, desirable um oh, it's, it's so cool looking it's so cool looking i'll, I'll definitely send you that link um, um it reminds me of like as far as clumping like i have a nice beautiful accent of um umbrella papyrus on my shower and it'll freeze and die back every year, but it comes back with vengeance, and it's beautiful. And it looks like little palm trees in a cluster. On your shower? Um, on the outside outside of my shower, on the accent wall, basically. Oh, so oh okay, okay. Yeah. And it's my outdoor shower. I have my outdoor shower. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I, I, th- I thought you meant an outdoor shower. Dude, I want an outdoor shower so bad. I would it's, love to shower outside. We shower outside 95% of the time. 
Inside is for like kid, you know bedtime baths, and then sometimes when I'm like, oh crap, I have to shower, I'm covered in dirt. But even at night, like I'll look up, I'll look at the stars, like I shower in the mornings, like the sunrise is there, I hear the birds, I've got a palm tree next to it, so you're just like living it up. <laughs> uh, w- w- uh, what you ought to do is build some kind of base that you can walk on top of, and then it'll collect the water so you can use it for watering your stuff. I know. Oh, that'd like be some, brilliant. Some kind of catch basin. Some kind of mm-hmm. catch basin or whatever. It'd be kind of neat. Yeah, I know to people recirculate who like, it. Yeah, I, I mean, I know, well, you just like to catch the fresh water so you could use it to water your plants and stuff. Because mm-hmm. like, I know, like, uh, Epic Gardening uses, like, his dish, his, uh, is it his gray water from like, his, his uh, washing machine? Yeah. He, he, he's, he's able to use that in the garden. You got to use your, uh, you got to use certain kind of detergent. But, I mean, you can definitely do it. Yes. Um, right now I have a French drain that goes out into the, out into the yard and it, and it diffuses into sandy soil. Um, fortunately here in North Carolina in the summer, it rains every day in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not in a totally like conscious place of drought and, um, but water's good water, still water. And like, I like that idea. Oh, yeah. Well, like you, like you heard from dirty punk, he, uh, Jeremy, he was telling us that, he only waters with rainwater. And I'm like, man, Dude. <laughs> that's so amazing. Because you know that's the best water, too. Like, yes. that stuff's great for your plants. And his setup must be amazing in the summer. Especially oh my with, God, like, yeah. Ohio. Like, just having nice, like, high 80s temperatures and it gets down to, like, 68 at night. And, like, it must be unreal. Yeah, well, I guess since we brought him up, we can go ahead. I'm, I'm going to announce... We got a big. We're gonna do a big, big episode uh, to kick spring off. I'm um, excited for this. The entire lineup is not. So we do our podcast on this app called Riverside, and I can do up to eight guests at one time. And so I want to do a giant spring garden, like you know, the start of spring. So we're gonna do like a Saturday night live stream. With all of my favorite, you know, garden guests that I can get on. And uh, Phil will obviously be one. This will be March 2nd, Saturday, March 2nd. I'll make sure to, to post about it, obviously, beforehand. But we're going to have Michael Fiore from Smith's Garden Town. Uh, we're going to, so me, you, Michael Fiore, Smith's Garden Town. We've got Dirty Punk, uh, Jeremy Trotsky. Uh, who else? Hold on. I got my calendar. Uh, so I got my calendar. Vikram is going to be on there. Um, we're going to have Stephanie from River V Growers. And I think nice. that's, that's all for now. I'm going to, I'm, I'm working on two more guests. I don't want to give it away, uh, but I can have up to eight guests on at one time. Um, and so that's going to be awesome. That's going to be Saturday, March 2nd at 6 PM central standard time. Like we always do, but it'll be on Saturday. And so that's going to be a big one to kind of kick off the spring garden. And I figure what we do is make it like a block party kind of thing where we just come on and we'll just like, you know, we usually go for like an hour or so here, but since it'll be Saturday night, we'll just go until, you know, whatever, you know, like until we get tired of talking, (laughs) you know? So I love it. I I figured that'll be a good time. And, you know, I got, I got to allow more time whenever we have like more than like four people on, it's hard because we always like we'll talk over each other or like <laughs> someone doesn't get to talk enough and I always feel bad, you know? So like if we're going to have eight people on and it will be eight, I will get eight people on um, and we'll be able to answer all the garden questions and have a big audience there on Saturday night. So that's going to be an awesome one, man. And you know what, Dustin, you're a great facilitator. You're really good at like being cognizant of everyone and getting their, their turn to like talk about what they're, what they're growing, how things are going for them. So kudos to you. I, I think it's it's more of like me reflecting on myself because even I, I grew, when I grew up, I had quite a bit of a stutter and I still do from time to time. So I have to tell myself like, hey, slow down, talk normal, talk slowly and be, uh, what's the right word? Uh, be cognizant of like what you're saying and don't just talk to talk. And then also, mm-hmm. you know, being a good host is not always being the one who's talking the most is letting mm-hmm. people talk too. you know, being a good host is being a good listener as well. And so I, 
I was laughing last week because someone said, man, Texas Garden guy, you know, someone's stealing the show from him. I'm like, dude, I, I enjoy when people talk more than me. You know, I, I love it, you know, because I mean, if it's just me talking, it's going to be a boring podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh my goodness. Well, Phil, I appreciate you coming on again, dude. As always, you're my, always. you're my, my fig brother from another mother. Um, let it, everybody man. know, let everybody know where they can find you. And, uh, well, you still got fig cuttings for sale as well, right? I still have fig cuttings for sale, guys. It's a great thing to try to jump into while you're planting all your seeds. You can find them at philsfigs.com, my Instagram store, my Facebook store. You can find me on all the social medias, uh, except for X. <laughs> and you're on TikTok now? I'm not on TikTok. Hold on. I'm not on TikTok yet. I got to get on that. Uh, but reach out, Instagram, Facebook. I'm happy to answer questions for you guys. I love helping everyone grow fig trees. It's an amazing fruit. Yeah, it's not too late to start. You know, late late mm-hmm. fall, early spring, good time to start. You can even do it inside and on the windowsill. And uh, I'm Texas Garden Guy, and I will be here every week, every Thursday with Mr. Phil. And uh, we'll be talking gardening. So if you all have any questions, feel free to uh, send me a DM. Send me an email. I'm Texas Garden Guy on every platform, including X. I don't check X, but I'm on there. Uh, And uh, yeah, so appreciate y'all coming on, coming out and hanging out with us. And we'll see you next week.